It's Therapy Thursday time. Come on, come on. I know you have been waiting and I have been waiting. It is time for Therapy Thursday. Come on in the room, text somebody the link, like the video. All that is doing is letting more people know about this particular um, opportunity for them to grow, to heal on the inside. And I am honored to serve you. Each and every week, you know how I like to do. Find somebody up and down the chat and tell them I'm proud of you for showing up. At whoever, all up and down the chat, I'm proud of you for showing up for therapy. And you'll be surprised. For certain people, they need to have that encouragement. They need to receive that encouragement because you don't know the battles that somebody is going through. So you encouraging somebody could be oxygen to their ability to keep on going. So congratulations. I see you showing up for therapy. Come on in the room. Um, I believe this particular session is not only going to just, um, it's not only going to be spiritually nutritious, but I believe it's also going to be a session that could provide us with some prevention. Um, because like Isaac wonderfully articulated, prevention is easier than repair. So if we could have some preventative measures on how we can not get exhausted or tired on the inside, let's do it. Let's do it. I wanna get to work because I'm not gonna be long, but I do want to give you something to feast on that could be uh, nutritious for your evolution journey. Um, first off, there was this video that I posted yesterday. It was really a snippet of what we were gonna be discussing on today. And just due to the feedback, I mean, I just posted that video yesterday and it already is climbing towards 200,000 views. So I was like, okay, yeah, that is a topic that I believe we need to discuss um, because I just have a sneaky suspicion there's somebody watching this session on tonight. You're strong, but you're also tired. <clears throat> you're strong, but you're also tired. You're killing it, but you're also tired. Lover of Jesus, but you're also tired. You're grinding, also tired. I see you pushing, striving to be consistent, but if you were to tell the truth, you're also tired intentional with your evolution and your healing, but you're also tired, even we could say exhausted, exhausted. So how about let's speak from that thought, from this subject for this particular Therapy Thursday session. I'm just exhausted. I'm just exhausted. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there? <laughs> Prophetically for somebody, if you continue on going on E like you are, you will be there. You're heading there. I'm just exhausted. If you were to ask me how I'm doing and I were to sincerely tell, tell the truth, I would tell you, I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted. Exhausted, a definition that I want to give you just for the time that we have together for this particular session. What is exhausted? Exhaustion is a state of weariness due to prolonged stress, stress or hopelessness. One more time. Exhaustion, it is a state 
of weariness. This is a state. This is the state currently of your mind, the state currently of your emotions, the state currently of, of your spirit, your soul. The state is weary due to prolonged stress. Stress on the job or stress because you're constantly trying to push your career, stress due to a relationship. You find yourself experiencing prolonged stress or hopelessness, hopelessness. You're hoping for something to happen and you've been hoping for it for so long that you're just tired of hoping. I'm talking to somebody. I'm exhausted because I'm trying to continue to believe. I'm trying to continue to have hope. Scripture puts it this way in Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13 verse 22, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred, deferred means dragged out or put off. So hope that has been dragged out, hope that's stuck in transit, hope that seems to be taking its time can make the heart sick, can make the heart congested, can make the soul congested, congested with the mucus of disappointment. This is just something that I've learned from several counseling sessions and even in my own life. Exhaustion and emptiness are roommates. Did y'all hear me? Exhaustion and emptiness are roommates. Show me somebody who's exhausted is due to something in their life being on E. Show me or tell me somebody who feels empty. It's because some area of their life, they're exhausted. You can't have one without the other. It might be unknowingly, I unknowingly, I haven't, I didn't even recognize I was on E and that's why I feel exhausted. Or unknowingly, I feel empty, I know that, but I didn't know it was because I'm exhausted. Exhaustion and emptiness are roommates down the hall, in the basement, in the attic, the living room, bedroom, bathroom. They're living in the same house. <laughs> They're living in the same house. Hope deferred, hope dragged out makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, this, this reminds me of this particular experiment. Um, that was executed in the 1950s by an amazing professor, um, Professor Kurt Richard. Uh, this experiment dealt with this creature I can't stand. I want y'all to see like an image of this. I can't stand that. Rats? Mm-mm. No, look, I understand that they are critical to our ecosystem. <laughs> but I, Jerry doesn't do rats. I don't do rats. Some of us, you're like, I feel you, bruh. If a rat would have run across my living room, burned a whole house, I don't do rats. I understand that they are critical to our ecosystem and Professor Kurt Richard did this experiment where he placed a rat in a tub to see how long this particular rodent could swim. And he noticed that every rat could swim for two minutes. Two minutes. After about two minutes, 
the rat would drown. He tested this on several rats, all domestic rats, all of the same species of rats. He tested them and he saw after two minutes, they would drown. So then he, he, he decided to put a twist on his experiment. When the rat reached about one minute and 58 seconds, one minute and 57 seconds and started to give up, he took the rodent out, placed it on this pad, allowed it to recover. And after the rat recovered, he placed it back in the tub. This is a true experiment, research. It was executed in the 1950s by Professor Kurt Richard. And he noticed that the rat that did initially start to drown after two hours, once he took that rat out and placed it back, it swam for 18 hours. He did this experiment again. He put a rat in the water, allowed it to swim for two minutes, took it out, allowed it to rest, put the rat back. This rat swam for 21 hours. What in the world was the difference? What caused rats all before them to drown in two minutes? But once you took this particular rat out, it could last for 18 hours. Hope. H-O-P-E, hope. That rat had enough sense to know the last time I felt it was over. The last time I felt I was drowning. The last time I felt I've reached my end, I can't keep going. I got saved when I thought I couldn't go any further. See, this is one of the multifaceted reasons why scripture keeps on telling us to remember. Remember the Lord, your creator. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. God is saying, remember the last time you thought you were gonna drown? I need you to remember that because that's going to increase your hope. That's going to increase your ability to keep praying. That's going to increase your ability to not walk away from me. That's going to increase your ability to maintain faith. It's one thing to just have declaring faith. It's another thing to have long faith. Remember the last time. And if a rat, that rodent, had enough sense to recognize, I'm not going to give up just yet. Because last time it got to a place where I felt it was over, I got saved. How much more the children of God, citizens of the kingdom, should we not lose hope? The psalmist, the psalmist puts it this way in Psalms 39, verse seven. And so Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you, not in my bank account, not in the economy, especially not in the government, not in my job, not in my career, not in my strength, not in my degrees, not in my notoriety, not in my platform. When I put my hope in those things, it can lead to my heart getting sick. But where shall I put my hope? I put my hope in you, Lord, for everything else will fail me, but you, will never let me drown, never let me drown. So I want us to consider this, we're gonna pray and dive into it. There are really three types of exhaustion. One type of exhaustion requires rest. Another type of exhaustion requires peace. Another type of, of exhaustion requires hope. When all three are on E, 
that's when you're burned out. This is so good. Did y'all hear me? Three types of exhaustion. One, you're exhausted because you need rest. You don't need to quit, you need a nap. A staycation, day off, me day, whatever you wanna call it. It is a biblical principle of me applying the Sabbath to my life. You are exhausted because you need rest or you're exhausted because you need peace. Regardless of what I'm facing, I don't have peace on the inside. I'm just tired on the inside. Or you're exhausted because you're losing hope. But burned out is when all three are on E. God, would you help us to recognize everyone who's weary, all those who are heavy laden, to come to you to find rest. And also, God, would you give us the wisdom to have stewardship over our decision-making so that we're not making decisions and choices that's making us more prone to, li to listen to the voice of the enemy because we're more prone to make unwise decisions when we're trying to decide exhausted. Help us to recognize that you created us and then after you made man, you establish a day of rest, which means we're supposed to live from a place of rest, not work until we need rest. Help us to have a better system and stewardship of our time because prevention is better than repair. We're asking that you do it. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put amen in the room? Amen in the room. This, this conversation is very dear to my heart because I'm being super intentional, just being transparent and translucent. I'm being super intentional with striving to enjoy every moment of my life. Enjoy moments. Enjoy the rain. Even moments that I'm unsure of, even moments that could be frightening. Jerry, make sure that you are enjoying each and every moment that God is giving you. If you watch the message on Sunday, we articulated and announced finally that we have found a building. Our church is extremely packed, so packed to where uh, certain people leave. Um, all of our overflows are filled and when certain individuals come and recognize, okay, you have to park down the street, we have a shuttle with our whole parking committee there to let you know, park here and we'll take you from the shuttle back to the church. Some people are like, man, I ain't. Listen, miss me with that. I, I'll just watch online. I don't have to. And, and that was causing some form of anxiety in me um, because I want everybody to fit in the house of God. I want everybody to experience community. And uh, it was just pastor friends that were like, man, you steward what God has given you to steward, and you recognize this is his church, not yours. This is a God problem. And anytime it is a God problem, when it's God's will, it's God's bill. And so that released anxiety from me, and we finally found a building, a space that's large enough for all of us to fit, 11 acres, there's, there's a school, academy, where we could have our children grow in a kingdom atmosphere, get educated, and then also get spiritually edified at the same time, there's a basketball court, it's just everything that, yes, Lord, we could finally fit, closing costs, million dollars. How are we gonna get that? I don't know, but I've learned, enjoy moments. In 2020, you were speaking to a camera. 
The city wouldn't even allow more than 10 people in the sanctuary without shutting you down. That's how it was here in Houston, Texas. Then you opened up a service on Thursday. You had about 50 or 70 people. Now, so crowded to where you can't fit. Enjoy each one. Enjoy moments, because watch this. In between lessons and blessings, hell always tries to send stressing. Did y'all hear me? In between lessons and blessings, hell tries to send stressing. I want you to be so stressed where you don't even have joy over what God is blessing. You can't even see the miracle because I've robbed you of the joy. You can't even see that you're growing because I've robbed you of the joy. You watching this right now, beating yourself up because of what level you think you should be at. You constantly have a there. I can't wait till I get there. When I get there, then I'll, when my, when my platform gets there, when my bank gets there, when my degree gets there, when my following gets there, when my faith gets there, when my healing gets there. There is just a floor to another ceiling. <laughs> Enjoy moments because the enemy wants you to miss the lesson and the blessing because he's agitating you with stressing. And you're exhausted because you're stressed with the discomfort of transition. Stressed with the discomfort of being in the middle. And believe it or not, the mind, our brain, the mind was not made to live in a constant state of war, but rather it was made to respond to stress and then return to balance. This is how your anatomy is made, the psychological part of you. Your mind was made to respond to stress. That's your cortisol level. That's your stress response. It was made to respond to stress, then return back to balance. But what do you do when there's no balance to return back to? See? Maybe you're so exhausted because your mind is living in a constant state of war, constant state of, of stress, and it never returns back to any form or any level of balance. And so you find yourself constantly living on the seesaw of stressed and stressed out. <laughs> Those are the only options. I'm either stressed or I'm stressed out. I'm stressed out or I'm stressed. There is no balance. It's just stress or stressed out. And this is leading to you being exhausted. And there are many forms of exhaustion and there are many ways on how we experience exhaustion. And for tonight's purpose, there's one particular overlooked, low on the radar contributor to why we are so stressed out. And I wanna bring that to your attention on tonight. Maybe we're exhausted because we have not been able to identify what's not your problem. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but you have not been called to do everything. Hmm. Maybe we haven't recognized that there is a marriage between exhaustion and you not knowing what's not your responsibility. 
and you're so tired because you're trying to be responsible for what you don't have oil for. You're trying to be responsible for what you're not called to. Everybody that I run into, usually when they get to a place of understanding, they could tell me they know what they're called for, they know what their purpose is, but I'm like, okay, if you're so great at knowing what you're graced for, why is it we're struggling to identify what we're not graced for? Hmm. Per adventure, the answer to our problem is for you to know what's not your problem. And you're exhausted because you're trying to make what's not your responsibility, your problem. Can I get somebody? Somebody, we only been what? 20 plus minutes. Can I get somebody to put in the room, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. That's not my problem. This isn't cocky. This isn't arrogant. This is oil awareness. This isn't cocky. This isn't arrogant. This is stewardship awareness. That's not my problem. That's, <laughs> that's not my problem. Hear me. We will always experience Gosh, I feel this, y'all. We will always experience emotional bankruptcy when we're trying to fund with the heart what is not our assignment to solve. We will always experience emotional bankruptcy when we have not recognized what is not our problem and we're trying to fund it with our heart. We're trying to fund it with our feelings. Maybe, just per adventure, the answer to our problem is for us to identify what's not our problem. This is why we're so exhausted. Because we're trying to perform CPR to situations that we don't have the lungs for. We're trying to fix problems that's not our problems. We are exerting all of this effort time and energy on what you do not have oil for so that by the time you face your giant, you can't defeat it because you spent all of your effort and energy fighting theirs. God has given you oil for your fights. He has not given you oil for their fights. God has given you a grace and an anointing to slay your giant. He has not given you a grace and anointing to slay their giant. And when you can't identify what is your giant from their giant, you will end up losing battles that God has given you the oil to win because you're exhausted trying to handle what's not yours. What's not yours? Maybe, peradventure, the answer to your problem is for us to discern that's not my problem. And I'm exhausted because I keep on trying to resuscitate what's not my business. Listen, growth is when you don't feel like it's selfish to find places that nourish you and exercise reciprocity. You love everybody. You agape everybody, just like I said on Sunday. You love your enemies. Lend to them, give to them. We don't expect nothing back. Nothing. That is an enemy. But when it comes to your three, I gave us this, this relational management um, uh, wisdom based on Jesus' life, 
He spoke to thousands, sent out 72, selected 12, but was vulnerable with three. Peter, James, John. Who are your Peter, James, and John? You are not selfish when you expect to be nourished from your Peter, James, and John. You are not being selfish when you expect re reciprocity for your Peter, from your Peter, James, and John. How we get hurt is when we try to take the thousand to the top of Mount Transfiguration. Jesus didn't take the thousand, he took three. How we get hurt is when we tell the 72, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus didn't tell that to 72 of his disciples. He told that to Peter, James, and John. See, growth is when you recognize it's not selfish for me to expect that my inner circle is nourishing me. Your three, your Peter, James, and John, your inner circle should be a stress reducer, not a stress causer. That does not mean they will always be perfect because sometimes Peter has Simon moments. But overall, you know that Peter's a rock, but that does not mean that Peter does not have Simon moments. You agape everybody, but whoever your core is, you're not selfish, nor is it, is it foolish to expect reciprocity amongst your three. In fact, it's biblical. Let me give you a Bible where y'all can see this. James chapter four, verse eight. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. What is that? Reciprocity. Keep going. Matthew chapter seven, verse 12. In everything, therefore treat people the same way you want them to treat you. So I'm gonna reciprocate to you what I wouldn't mind you reciprocating back to me. This is something that we really need to take heed to because some of us, <laughs> some people, if we treated them like they treated us, they would swear we poisoned them. <laughs> I'm not talking about the thousand. I'm not talking about the 72. This is something that's reserved for your three, your Peter, James, and John. Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples, don't take anything with you. And when you go to a house, if they receive you, let your peace be on it. If they do not, let your peace return back to you. He's showing you reciprocity happens in called spaces. Did y'all catch that? Reciprocity happens in called spaces. Whenever you go to a house, if they receive you, let your peace be on it. If they don't receive you, take your peace with you. Don't leave your peace on people who don't reciprocate. Is this making sense? Maybe I'm exhausted because I'm expecting three like qualities from thousands. This is so good. I'm expecting three like qualities from the 72. I'm expecting loyalty like my three does with my 12, but your 12 consists of Judas. Maybe, peradventure, the answer to our problem is us being able to discern what is not our problem. What is not our problem. I want us to put this confession in the room. Can I get everybody to put this in the room? All caps, God, give me the wisdom to be able to discern what's my problem and what's not. Oh, we need it. That needs to be like a daily confession for somebody who is bound by people pleasing. One more time. Let's put this in the room in all caps. God, give me the wisdom 
to be able to discern what's my problem and what's not. Maybe you're so exhausted because you're trying to fight somebody else's Goliath. Maybe you're so exhausted because you're trying to solve a problem that you're not graced for. God, give me the wisdom. Please, give me the wisdom to discern what's my problem and what's not. See, I mentioned this on a Therapy Thursday back in 2022, but I wanna bring it back to your remembrance for uh, a different purpose. I articulated purpose fixes problems. Anybody who's been watching Therapy Thursday for an extended period of time, you've heard me mention this before, okay? Purpose fixes problems. The reason that you and I still have oxygen in our lungs, our cardiac activity is still operational, we still have warm blood flowing through our arteries, is because we have a purpose. Put your hand on your chest, check your pulse, your temples, you feel that? That's not just the pulse, that's purpose. When that stops, this means you no longer have purpose in the earth, okay? So you and I have purpose. Purpose fixes problems. The purpose of these cameras right now is to remove a distance problem. Wherever you are in the world, you can glean and feast on this therapy session. The purpose of these lights is to remove a darkness problem, okay? So watch this. If purpose fixes problems, this means frustration is imminent when we're trying to fix a problem that's not our purpose. One more again, not one more time, one more again. If purpose fixes problems, this means frustration is imminent when we're trying to fix a problem that's not our purpose. Maybe the answer to your problem is for us to identify, this is not my problem. I am talking to somebody all chronic problem chasers. Please lean in, lean in. All chronic problem chasers. All of us who have a pattern and a resume of making their business our burden. Ugh. All of those watching this who have been plagued by savior complex. This was cultivated in childhood. All of us who have a hero complex, I want you to understand this. The hero complex by default causes for you to look for and entertain monsters. Maybe that's why that last relationship was a beast. Maybe, maybe that's why that last community was a beast because the hero complex causes for you to look for monsters. Make it practical. Batman looks for the Joker. Ooh, could this be why your last ex was a joke? <laughs> Batman looks for Poison Ivy. She was fine, wasn't she, bro? But when you kissed her, something in you died. Spider-Man looks for Venom. And could it be possible when we have not recognized what is not our problem, we'll end up trying to cure what's venomous to us? This is so good, y'all. We'll end up trying to cure what is venomous to us. 
Maybe this is why you're so tired. Maybe this is why you're so exhausted. Maybe this is why you're laying down eight hours, but you're still waking up with your spirit battery flashing on red. It's because you are trying to fix a problem that you are not graced for. But pastor, you don't understand. I love them. As if your love will make them healthy. You agape everybody, but you are not called to save anybody. That's Jesus' job. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the redeemer. Jesus and the gospel changes hearts. You're exhausted because you're trying to carry out a God responsibility and it's too heavy for you. You don't have God's shoulders. You don't have God muscles. That is a God weight. God weight. God changes people, not you. Can we talk, y'all? Can we talk? I feel like I'm coming for somebody's scalp, but I'm trying to help you. This kind of changes everything. Because here's a perspective I want you to consider that maybe you haven't thought of before. Maybe it's a lot of people and places mishandled my heart, not merely out of malice or them being malicious, but rather I wasn't able to discern that wasn't my problem. Just, just think, just think. Maybe it's not that they were just bad people. I just placed a responsibility on me that was bad for my health. Maybe it's not always that they, are, that they were unhealthy. They could be, but could the greater issue be you have an unhealthy pattern of trying to fix what's not your responsibility? <laughs> Maybe you could forgive faster when you understand if I had this responsibility awareness, I wouldn't have tried to fix that problem anyway that caused, me, that caused me to end up getting hurt trying to fix something that I'm not graced for. I am trying to help somebody on tonight. If I can get us to get responsibility awareness, let me give you Bible on what I mean. Proverbs 26 verse 17, it says, he who passes by and meddles in quarrels, not his own. What does meddles mean? I'm glad you asked. Meddles means to engage or make oneself busy by involving themselves in something that is not their concern. That's what it means to meddle. When you are making yourself busy, this isn't your business but you have made yourself busy. Now you wonder why you're tired. Now you wonder why you're the title of this session. I'm so exhausted. It's because I have made myself busy involving myself in something that is not my concern. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. So what we have ended up doing is we end up hurting. Now we need to get healed because we got bit. <laughs> You go grab a stray dog's ears on the street. See what it does to you. Now we need healing because we got bit by something that was not our responsibility. And I'm, I, I, I do want to clarify this. This is not a message to try to get somebody to feel justified in your hoarding. This, this is not a message to try to get somebody to feel justified like, like, Preach, Pastor, this is why I don't do people now. This, that, see, I'm done. I, I'm done. This is why I don't do people. Okay. A car is safe in the garage, but that's not what it was, ma that's not what it was made for. A boat 
is safe in the marina, but that's not what it was made for. This is a session where I'm trying to introduce to us a biblically saturated principle that we could even see that Jesus engaged in throughout his ministry. He could discern when to go. He could discern when to speak. And he could discern when to give no reply. Therefore, when you understand what is not your problem, you'll be able to know what to say no to, You'll be able to know when saying yes to that is enabling, when to say no to that is actually showing love. You'll be able to discern it. But look, I, I want you to see how Jesus did this. I'm not just giving you my opinions. I'm giving you a biblical strategy and principle that if we live by, maybe it could help us stop being so exhausted because we're stressed out trying to fix what's not our responsibility. Okay? Mark chapter 5. Verse 21, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded with him earnestly, My little girl is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. Verse 24, So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. I want you to put a mental bookmark there. Jairus says, my little girl's dying. Come heal her. Jesus goes with him. Okay, now, John chapter 4, verse 46. Look at this. Once more, he, speaking of Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Look at Jesus' response. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Enough with all that. My, my child's about to die. Jesus replies, go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Notice in John 4 and Mark 5, they are similar scenarios. Jairus, my daughter is sick, come heal her. Jesus goes. John 4, um, an individual, a royal official comes to him and says, my son is sick. Jesus doesn't go. He just says, go. There are times when Jesus would go, and there are times when Jesus would say, you go. Ooh, there are times we want God to intervene, and he will, and there are other times we want God to intervene, and he'll say, be more disciplined. There are times we're expecting the divinity where God is saying, this just needs more integrity. Work the gift I gave you. Obey the principle I gave you. Everything doesn't require a miracle. Sometimes they require mechanics. And right here in this text, we see one time Jesus goes, next time he doesn't. How could he do that? Because he knows what his assignment is. Anybody who struggles with saying no does not know their assignment. Talk Holy Spirit. 
Anybody who struggles with saying no does not know their assignment. He was able to say yes to Jairus because he knew on the way to Jairus' house, I'm going to enter, I'm going to interact and be encountered by a woman with the issue of blood. I knew that Jairus' daughter is going to die before I get there, and I'm gonna tell her Talea Takumi, which means little girl, I tell you, arise. I know what's gonna happen. So for this, since I know my assignment, yes. And then also for you, royal official, I know my assignment, I have other stuff to do. Go, and your son will live. Can you identify what's your problem and what's not your problem? When to go and when to stay? Because we're seeing in these passages of scripture, Jesus has the discernment and wisdom to identify when something requires for me to go that direction and when something requires for me to stay the course I'm on. So I wanna give you a few points and, and then we're done. Um, number one, know your assignment. Know your assignment. Maybe I'm so exhausted because I keep assigning myself to what I'm not assigned to. Basic example, I knew today my assignment was to render therapy, okay? So when people text me and say, hey, can we go to lunch today? No. Am I being mean? No, I'm not. I know my assignment. There's a place I need to be at 7.30. There's a word I need to deliver at 7.30. I've made adjustments for my assignment. So it's easy for me to identify what's not my assignment. Know your assignment because it will increase the frequency of things you need to say no to. You'll be able to identify what's a distraction and what's an assignment when you know yours. This is my assignment today. Anything that took me away from it is a distraction. It's a distraction. The only thing that would override this is my family. My wife needs something. My son needs something. Sons now. My sons need something, my daughter needs something, my, okay? This could wait. But when you know your assignment, it increases the frequency of your no. Number two, deal with people where they are, not where you think they should be. You're exhausted because you're trying to make them get to a place where you think they should be. Man, this is so good. I could change him, I could change them, I could change this. Maybe that's not your responsibility. Maybe, maybe that's not your purpose for that business. And, and when you're able to identify that, you could deal with people where they are, not where you think they should be. This does not mean I don't communicate language to you on where I know God called you to, but I just understand if I give you milk right now, if I give you meat right now, you'll choke. You can only handle milk. Deal with you where you are, not where I think you should be. Number three, this is a sermon from Ruth right here. Number three, look for favor. The reason I say this is a sermon from Ruth is because in Ruth chapter two, verse two, the text says, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to find the... 
please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Look for favor. Same thing when Jesus went out, when Jesus sent out the 72. So wherever they receive you, wherever the favor is, wherever the favor is, let your peace come upon it. If they reject you, okay, bring, let your peace come back to you. Shake the dust off your feet. And I'm gonna give you space in between town to town so that you can shake off what the enemy or what people who don't understand the value of your assignment, I'm gonna give you space to shake off dusty people. <laughs> I love you so much that even when you experience rejection, I want you to view that as that was not your assignment. And while you're trying to overcome that, I'm gonna give you space from town to town. I'm gonna give you an interstate to shake off the dust. Look for favor. Number four, learn your tank. Jerry's tank is I could preach every single Sunday for about eight to nine weeks. After that, then series is about to shift, take a week off to recharge, sit down, model before the people that I get to serve. I'm listening to the sermon unless I'm out somewhere, but that's my tank. Know your tank. If your phone shows you when it needs to be recharged, and if your car shows you when it needs gas, do you know where's your meter on your spirit, on your mental health, on your physical health to identify, I need a staycation, I need a break, I need to watch movies tonight, I need to fast. Learn your tank, because the worst thing you could ever do is run on fumes and not know it. Number five, steward your time. Like, <laughs> some of us are exhausted doing things that don't matter. You're tired because you stayed up all night last night binging something on Netflix or Hulu. That is not wise stewardship over your time. You're exhausted due to your playlist, due to your subscriptions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stewarding your time to where your yes is for your purpose, your yes is for your recreation, your yes is for your intellect, your yes is for your devotion, your yes is for your Sabbath principle, and your no is for anything that interferes with that. Steward your time. And lastly, stop being an umbrella to their storm. This relational intelligence is going to irritate some people because they're going to get wet from storms that they didn't recognize they created because you were their umbrella. You are not obligated to try to fix a problem that they created. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but you're not called to do everything. That's God's job. Father, please let us feast on this word so that we're able to not be exhausted doing things that don't matter. But help us to apply the Sabbath principle to our life where we could always give our assignment and our purpose a fresh version of ourselves versus an exhausted version. And I pray that this word will be a guide to help people pleasers take their hands off the wheel of people's acceptance of what they think about them and recognize that my three will nourish me and reciprocity will exist amongst my Peter, James, and John. You are my example, not others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.